0: You're listening to Be Still and Grow, the GCC Ladies Podcast with Catherine, Heather,
1: and Nicole, where we dive into deep theological topics and real life issues through the art of conversation.
0: So take a
2: seat at the table with us. Four, two.
0: And welcome to the Be Still and Grow podcast. Hello, ladies. Hello. Yeah. Good morning. I don't think y'all are ready for that. Let's start it again. From the top, yeah. Well, good morning, ladies. How are we doing today? It is actually a good morning. I can actually say that. Oh, I don't think I've ever said that. <laughs> so Not that I'm saying this, so we're recording in the morning time, and so it's weird. Why do I ever say goodnight, then? <laughs> good night, ladies. We should end it with that in the future. Yeah, that is true. Interesting, interesting. So... We have some guests today, y'all. We sure, do. Yeah. Y'all know who they are? You have any guesses? Any, cl- any? Includes? I heard it was you two. <laughs> <laughs> they were busy. Um, we tried. Uh, Bono we'll had settle. Some, for yeah. The heavy hitters instead. Yes. Yes. We will settle. Um, so yes, we have two guests on the podcast today. We have Pastor. Of the church that we all attend, Gospel Community <laughs> Church, Kirk McDonald. <laughs> whoop, whoop, whoop. And we have Tim Bice, the pastor of Greenbrier Church in Albany, Georgia, <laughs> the church that we all not attend. Not attend. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, welcome, guys. Welcome Thank on the podcast. You.
3: Good to be here. Glad
4: to be here.
0: Good. Well, we are super, super excited for y'all to be here. Did I mess it up, Albany? Really? No, no, it, okay. it was great. <sighs> I haven't even had to slow it down in my mind. Because, like, there are (laughs) different sayings. So if you're, so, uh, Gospel Community Church that we we go to is in Fayetteville. So if you've been to Fayetteville for a long time, we don't, like, we don't enunciate it. So you just say Fayetteville. That's it. And so people are like, what? you saying, like, Fayetteville? What is that? (laughs) And so if you're not from here, they enunciate and they go, we're from Fayetteville. And so, but if you're a long-time person here, you don't do that. We also have a neighboring city called Snowyeh. But if you're a native of Sonoy, they say <laughs> Sonoy, which makes zero sense. Sorry if you're from Sonoya, but that's just crazy to me. So I was like, it it's like not even how it's spelled, yeah. And so I've never understood that. So it's the weird thing. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I definitely say Fayetteville. So. So. <laughs> My bad, but no, it's a short time yeah. resident. No, no,
0: it's not a bad thing. But I feel like you probably get that all the time hearing about the. Albany, how's it, is that annoying? Oh, yeah.
3: (laughs) Especially when someone uh, new to your church from Michigan comes and calls it Albany. (laughs) And uh, and then you correct them 400 times, and you're like, whatever, that's fine, (laughs) Albany. Mm.
2: It's okay. You just lower your expectations. That's right. At that point. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Well, even like McDonough, I was just thinking too, people say McDonough, McDonough. and so I say McDonough. I could care less whatever, which way it's right. (laughs) It is the way I would like to say it, so. I mean, I know. No, from McDonough or no? From McDonough. That's what I thought. Okay, do you yeah. say McDonough or McDonough? McDonough. Okay, so you say it yeah. the right way. That's yeah. why. I yeah, know. but he Kirk enunciates
3: really? everything. Oh. <laughs> I do. Okay. He thinks about it.
0: Oh, <laughs> so
1: do you okay. say Fayetteville?
4: I say Fayetteville. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I do. And I do enunciate. It's very strange. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think. It, I think okay. it came in high school, when like uh, there was like the whole like redneck crowd. And I didn't, like, you know, I was a musician, you know, painting my fingernails black and stuff like that. <laughs> so I didn't want to be associated with them. Mm. So I didn't want to talk like this, like they did. Like me. not <laughs> talk like me. I didn't want to talk like, I, I to talk like Tim <laughs> Bice does.
2: <laughs> like you from Albany. So right. I, just, I
4: started enunciating everything that I say so that I wouldn't have uh, that kind of accent. But. And now God. He's using it. I, man, he is. Mm. Well, now I'm proud to be a redneck. I'm happy. Yeah. <laughs> drive a truck, wear boots. love Doesn't it. don't have
0: to talk like one. Yeah, that's right. Well, that makes me feel better. I yeah. feel like it's like, y'all, the enunciating side, I just mess up words every time I get on here. And they're like, I don't think that's how you say it. And so I'm like, it's the way I want to say it. So it's like, we as uh, Southern people like to make up our own words mm-hmm. and we like, to, we like to mesh them together. So, America. um so but like I said thank you guys so much for being on the podcast today we're excited to have you guys um like I said they are pastors so we're gonna kind of get into this here are y'all big on putting jokes in servants y'all like doing it do y'all do it does it work y'all have a great joke that like hey this is like my favorite joke I've ever said I was telling Nicole earlier and I'm so mad at myself that I can't remember so you said a joke a couple months ago Kirk that was so funny and it was like i laughed so good but i don't remember what it is and it drives me crazy so i don't know if you can just take a moment go through all your sermons past few months tell me which most one it is best joke um which whatever i laugh at the most that's it <laughs> so um but i can't remember and it's driving me absolutely bonkers it'll hit me eventually but um but i think you do some pretty good jokes but y'all have any good jokes that really just like killed <laughs>
4: I, I don't intentionally put jokes in my sermons. Okay. If yeah. I ever say anything I'm funny, naturally
0: funny? No. No,
4: I'm not. And that's why I don't write jokes in my sermons because I know I'm not funny. Um, I don't try. It's embarrassing. So if, uh, if I do say anything funny in a sermon, it uh, just happened. The grace of. The it's, oh. the, it's the grace of God. exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I think
3: I don't know if you're this way. I'm so focused on making sure that I'm clear. And that the gospel is presented, that there's application given, that there's good solid illustrations. I don't be. I'm not thinking about jokes. Mm-hmm. Um, in the moment, it happened. It happened the last time I preached. Mm-hmm. I think Chris showed you the video of it actually. Mm-hmm. But um, we were teaching on womanhood and manhood, and I'm in Genesis too. And I just pulled it up uh, when when Adam, uh, you know, God took the rib from Adam, made woman. And brought her to the man. I said, and he said, Mm-mm, "Come here!" And like the whole, <laughs> like the whole congregation just howled. I'm like, "Is that funny?" <laughs> like, you know, I don't know. Uh, but yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't mess with that. Yeah.
4: Uh, so I told a story from C.S. Lewis' book, The Great Divorce, um, about the guy who gets transformed, um, and i like, it was. It really just happened. Like I built the the story up and then like right at the climax when I was about to explain the fullness of the transformation, right before I did, I stopped and said, You gotta go read the book. And like didn't, you know, I acted like I wasn't going to tell the climax. Um and then I got a big laugh out of that. But that wasn't in my notes at all. It was totally unintentional, just in the moment, it was like, You gotta go read the book. No, I'm just kidding, I'll tell you. And then I told it and I got a big laugh out of that. But
5: Yeah, I think
3: for preachers, like, we we understand that every sermon has a tone. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think you can have freedom to be lighthearted, but to, like, write in your jokes to sermon, I just feel like it can be inappropriate. I'm not saying it's bad. I just, I don't,
4: I don't, I don't try to do that. Yeah, I think if if somebody came and said, you know, uh, yeah, in my introduction, I've got this hilarious joke that I wrote in there, I wouldn't be like, you sinner. (laughs) (laughs) You are making a mockery of the Word of God and preaching. Like, you know, I... (laughs) it's just, I think you, I think any good preacher has to figure out how to be themselves in the pulpit. You know, like, like artists talk about finding their voice. Musicians talk about finding their voice. And, um, I think any good preacher will, will work hard at that. And if you're just naturally funny and you can write like that, do it if, mm-hmm. if you're, if you're being yourself in the pulpit. Um, but that's not me. Like I'm not naturally funny. Um, I don't, Like, I can't sit down and write comedy, um, so I just don't do it. But I think it's a part of just um, being who God made you to be um, in the pulpit in that moment.
0: Yeah, I agree. Mm. There's never a time, even in the beginning, y'all ever, like, intentionally wrote in a joke.
4: Uh, I may have. Yeah, I may have. I just don't make a habit of it. I don't think about it. Yeah, I don't.
0: Was there a time when you tried to be funny and it did not go well? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, like I've,
4: like I've said stuff in the moment, you know, that just totally fell flat, which reminded me, Hey, don't do that. That's not you. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. Yeah.
5: Well,
2: I was like, no, I was going to say the other, I do remember the other Sunday, I think you were talking about how we're not born perfect. And like you called out your mom. I feel like we always laugh when he calls out his mom who sits, you know, front row. And I'm sure (laughs) sometimes preaching can be kind of hard in front of your mom. I would imagine (laughs) I felt like we were like all rolling that Sunday. It was like, cause it's just, just relatable, you know, it yeah. just becomes real life at that point. And I feel like that's one of the reasons both of you are great pastors is because you're just so relatable and you, we don't feel like you are up here and we're all, you know, under some little peasant sinners, you know, mm-hmm. that we're all on the same, the same foot of the cross. So yeah,
4: that was the, uh, I was preaching the rich young ruler. So Jesus is like, you know, you, you know, you know what you need to do. Follow the commandments, you know. Um, he starts starts listening to all the commandments, you know, obey your mother and father. And the rich young ruler says, Oh yeah, I've done that from the beginning. And so, like my mom's right there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like my mama is sitting on the front row and yeah. she loves me. She loves to hear me preach. She's here every Sunday, a member of our church, but she knows I ain't I ain't done that. I've not right. obeyed her from the beginning. Yeah. So low-hanging fruit. Yeah, yeah. yeah it was easy. It was yeah. an easy joke to make. Yeah.
0: Uh, yeah, the like I said, when I was trying to remember that one joke, you said I couldn't remember. But the only thing that kept coming to my mind, you said it a few months ago when you were talking about. I think it was Tally. You were talking about, and you were talking about uh, the toy uh, that you're like, mm. listen, like if you lose this toy, that's on you. You know, you got to keep this toy or whatever. It's like I'm not gonna look for it anymore. until be, you, you know, you lose this thing, and then you're like. And then that night, I was out there with my flashlight looking for the toy. <laughs> so, yeah. Real life. Yeah. I love that. I thought that. I that is. I don't know why that stuck with me, but like, I thought that was absolutely hilarious. So. Yeah,
4: yeah, and that was like that's another timing joke too, because mm-hmm. it was like I, you know, I, I emphatically said, "I'm not looking for this toy ever again." You lost it. That's it. It's over. Mm-hmm. So then I was out there looking for the toy. Yeah. Right. It was like so. I mean, it, yeah. That's 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 just being like being humorous through timing you know not necessarily the content it wasn't like a setup punchline joke you know yeah. um, it was just the timing of it
0: yeah oh yeah well, i think it's pretty it's good i mean it brings a different dynamic to the sermons and the, especially like you know i think you were saying like certain uh, sermons are fine for it like you know if they're lighthearted or anything but you know i think it, saying certain jokes in a very dark or hard you know sermon might be you know might not be as as good or received
4: yeah yeah know, so. yeah i think like what tim said just a minute ago there's so much that we're trying to accomplish in the sermon um that you know i don't know it's so it's really complicated like Mm -hmm. people look at i think you know it's like oh you just get up there and you know talk for 40 minutes you know like it's not that hard it's like okay i've got 20 hours in this thing yeah i've got yeah we've put 20 hours in 40 minutes yeah um and everything that you're trying to accomplish you know um display the main idea uh exegete the text apply the text glorify christ make sure it's gospel centered make sure the application is applicable to the people to your audience i mean there's a thousand things going on um answering and, people's questions that you think they may be thinking yes yeah answering anticipated. good introduction get
3: them on the tra- in, on the train in the beginning
4: mm-hmm. yeah. Good
3: conclusion yeah you got to land the plane
4: and keep it under Forty minutes. <laughs> yeah, do that in forty minutes. Um, and so we're hungry. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Right. Um, so humor to me is just kind of an afterthought.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah. Same. I love it though. I feel like pe- when you laugh together, there's just some kind of connection. And so when the whole congregation is laughing, it feels like you're just sitting together with your family. And I don't the friendships and the bonds and laughing together. I think is super important. Yeah.
0: To me. I like too. It's like sometimes when you don't expect it, it's just kind of like you're listening to the sermon, and like when you're talking about the tally thing, or or like you just don't see it, and then it's just like I love it when it just hits everybody exactly the same time. I feel like at our our church, PCC, it's like we all laugh at the exact same time. It's just like, (laughs) like, so like always love it when that happens because it's just like, oh wow, okay, I I didn't see that coming, but that was great. And (laughs) so, um, I (laughs) I will say quickly, the um, I think it was two sermons ago, you. You had did a eye chart. Um, <laughs> they laugh. So, so he did an eye chart, and so on the eye chart. So, I mean, it's it's not an eye chart. Excuse me. It's like there's a line. There's words on it. He's talking about. Uh, I'm blank, blanking, but it had different things on it. Like
4: it was very memorable. Yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it
0: was a talk for many groups. It was about <laughs> the
2: blind man couldn't see. Yes, but then yes. he was the only one that saw what yes. Jesus was trying to say.
0: And so, uh, so each line got smaller and smaller and smaller. So he's going through each one. And so, as soon as you said uh, it's a um, eye test, and so I accidentally was like, ah, and because like <laughs> I do not have great eyesight. <laughs> and so, so I was like, Why? I automatically fail? That's great. And so as soon as at that moment she looks at me, busts out laughing. And then I had another girl next to me. She's like, I kind of had you in mind when I made this and so to make it really. And then the per- and person behind me, I was like, well, I can see the third line. And then the lady behind me was like, you drove here. And I'm like, what is happening? And then at that moment, Heather texts me. She was like, if you can't see the fifth line, this is what it says. And I was like, y'all are the worst. Um, But it was, I don't know. it It was really cool to have those. Even though, I don't know, you weren't making that as super funny. But it was it was Humorous, and I thought it was really good. So, like, it's it just with... your
1: community loving you to make oh, yes. sure that you yeah. could understand the Helping message. You apply the <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate it. It was,
0: I, I was proud of myself. I could read the third line. I didn't think I could read that. So, um but it was it's very, it was very funny that, you know, we can take those, even if like you can't see that or know that's happening, like, it's cool that they have those little funny moments and stuff. And it, like I say, we talked about it a lot in community group after that, too. So, it's really stuck with us. So. <laughs> so. Um, so, please don't do any more eye tests. I don't appreciate those at all. Um, <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) um but i was proud of myself third line i did it so um so i do have a joke that i looked up Mm -hmm. it's a sermon joke that i thought was kind of funny and so hopefully y'all think it's funny (laughs) so (laughs) So, it was a lot of sermon jokes and they're all really long so this was the shortest one i found (laughs) um that's mainly why i went to it um and some of them were very inappropriate like how are these sermon like uh sermon jokes i'm like these are clearly not so All right. It says a minister told his congregation next week, I plan to preach about the sin of lying Uh, to help you understand my sermon. I want you all to read Mark 17. Um, The following Sunday, as he prepared to deliver this sermon, the minister asked for a show of hands. He wanted to know how many had read Mark 17. Every hand went up. The minister smiled and said, Mark is only 16, 16 chapters. chapters. <laughs> yeah. That's why I looked at you guys. You know that? Yeah. Um, I will now proceed with my sermon on the sin of lying. <laughs> so, yes. I thought that was hilarious. So, so, I did think that when I read that, I was like, I wonder if they knew. Like, is, y'all know there's only 16 chapters? So, yes. I'm glad if you didn't.
4: We, we preached through Mark. I remember I was, it was I was only say, 16 yeah. chapters.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Was did you, took you us know? Two years. I did <laughs> not know. I was like, oh, well, that makes sense. So... so um, I mean, I, I don't think I could tell you how many chapters are in every book, So, except for Psalms. is 150, right? Uh, that made me really nervous about <laughs> a pastor, so I was like, why did you say that out loud? That <laughs> was was like, terrible. Um, uh, Nicole, save us. <laughs> why are we here? <laughs>
1: well, I think that this conversation really shows how tempered and wise our leadership is, because I've sat under many a pastor who has made many an inappropriate joke from the pulpit. Um, and then asked for grace. So with that, we are here to talk about the qualifications of an elder. How do you become an elder? How do you stay an elder? and um what are the benefits of healthy leadership in church?
0: Yes, um, so like I said, Kirk is the pastor of Gospel community Church for eleven years. Um, Tim is the pastor of Bar Church for fifteen years.
4: Crazy. How long have you been in ministry, Tim? How many years? Hmm. I was in
3: uh, I was a pastor for seven years before that. So twenty-two. Okay, I'm at seventeen. Yeah, I
4: was ordained in two thousand six. Yep, it's a long time. I was ordained right. in two thousand one. Yeah,
0: mm. I was um, in high school. I was like, yeah, I, was, <laughs> I don't know where I was at the time, but I wasn't. Uh, not my story. Um, so yes, yeah, so that's awesome. And so y'all are also friends. So like, how? Mm-hmm. When did y'all meet? How did y'all meet? How are y- how are y'all friends? And like, you know, how did how did that all come about?
4: Uh, we met through the church planting network that we're part of Acts twenty nine, um, which there's only twenty eight chapters of Acts by the way. Yeah, back to the Mark thing. Yeah.
3: <laughs> we are Acts twenty nine. Yes, the yep. next chapter. Never about Sorry, that. go ahead. That was, that was all I wanted to say. That's how we met. We're the next yep. chapter. <laughs> we didn't think we'd have anything in common. I'm a little bit older. Um, I mean, here's this good looking dude all tatted up, and I'm like, <laughs> yeah, we, we probably. But uh, we got to know each other. And then, like, he's my best friend. Aww. So, yeah.
4: Yeah, I think one of the um, groups that, that we were in with Acts 29, we were, um, like, all meeting together, and it was all the uh, – several of the pastors from Georgia. Um, and Tim had recently taken over leadership um, for that group just to lead us. Um and I think like pastors um, are longing for a place to be vulnerable. Um, we're we're upfront all the time. Uh, we feel the pressure of uh, being very spiritual and you know uh, very wise and always having the right answer and being very composed. And um, and know, our families, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Our families have to look awesome too. You know, <laughs> our kids have to be very well behaved and you know all the crazy stuff, like all that stuff that gets put on pastors. You know, whether we want to push it off or not we we feel it 100%. um and so when pastors get together it's it can it can go one of two ways, right? So being in many pastors groups, it can go from well how many people do you all have? Well, you know, how many baptisms, you know, it's kind of like that kind of how many baptisms, how many salvations, you know, oh, we just hired five new staff members, you know. <laughs> oh, you only have three. Oh, <laughs> um it can go that way or there can be a real sense of honesty and transparency and when that happens like you can almost physically feel it in the room when all the pastors just take a big deep breath and and let it out and go "Oh, okay we can we can be vulnerable here wow i didn't know that um and that's i think that's what drew me to tim so much in the beginning of our friendship is because as he led that pastor's group it was like he was saying like real stuff like stuff that pastors are not supposed to say about what they think about ministry what they think about their elders what they think about their deacons <laughs> you know what they think about their the church budget just like real stuff that you know you i mean if you read the pastors book it says right there don't say this kind of stuff you can't be this honest you have to be polished you have to um and tim just didn't do that in in that room full of pastors and i feel like every man in that room was just longing um, to have a place of openness and honesty and to be real and to be honest about the real struggles that pastors go through Uh, so he opened up that door for us and i think every every man just walked right through it um and i think that's why we have such a tight group of men now um, in georgia is because of tim's leadership and his just courageous ability to just go no this is really what's going on and this is the depth of it and for us to go okay we don't have to like we can do that here you know we can be honest here so
0: Mm. that's fantastic
2: i would imagine that creates a lot longevity you know like when if you don't have to come in wearing a face and you know keeping it all together you could probably go a lot
0: further a lot faster and a lot longer
2: i
4: would think
3: yes
0: yeah that's incredible Awesome. Well I love that like you was y'all saying earlier, like how, how long y'all been not only pastors of a church, but how long y'all been in ministry and stuff. So being in the ministry and also being a pastor for church for so long, like how um how have y'all learned to stay healthy as pastors?
3: First of all, you have to know that you need to be healthy. Mm-hmm. Um I don't think I knew that until I started burning out and then realizing I'm on an unsustainable pace. And um, and so I guess for me, it was probably about 10 years ago, I started realizing, man, I I need to make some changes. I need to rest more. I need to take care of my body. I need to be healthy emotionally, spiritually, mentally, and physically. Uh, Then you have to be super proactive, intentional, have some accountability, and know what you're doing next and stay on track because it is so easy to become unhealthy for so many different reasons. Um, I feel like for me personally, and I think Kirk too, because he we've talked about this a lot, there's a physical demand on your body, um, late hours, lots of preaching, which gets your adrenal glands going. Um, then you've got emotional stress. You're under constant scrutiny. Daily, uh, losing friends in your church, whether they move or leave or they're upset with you. Um, then you're dealing with other people's um, sins and problems. And as a pastor, you tend to take that on yourself. So you begin to get emotionally tired. Then mentally, uh, we work with our minds more than we do our hands in ministry. And so it's taxing. Um, so and then spiritually, you're under constant spiritual attack. We all have an enemy, and the enemy after us, um, so that the gospel is not proclaimed. And so I think, r- number one, you have to realize that that is true, and you need to do something about it. I think that's where I would start.
4: Yeah, I think um, in, the, in the beginning, you're you know so excited about the work. You're fired up. You don't want to. You don't want to rest. You don't want to go slow. Um, you you want to go fast, um, and you know eighty hour work weeks. I mean, that's so easy to do in a church plant. It's so easy to do because yep. if you're in the office nine to five, um, building the organization, creating organizational charts or doing spreadsheets or whatever you're doing, you're in the office nine to five, reading commentaries, writing sermons, whatever. Well, then you're meeting with your people at night you know, you're having dinner with your people. Um, That's a part of how we do ministry. Um, I know not every pastor does that. um, But as a part of what we believe ministry, how ministry should be done is got to be with your people and your people work jobs. (laughs) So um, they're, they're not coming in your office during the nine to five hours. You're across the dinner table with them. But if you've worked a nine to five and then from like six to Eight or ten, because um, some folks don't know how to go home. Uh, <laughs> uh, you, they're they're at your dinner table. Well, man, you, it's easy to stack that up day after day. And after the day. breakfast appointments. Yes. Yeah. Yep.
3: So you start at six. Yeah. In the morning, sometimes. Yep. And go till eleven at night. Mm-hmm. Nonstop. Nonstop. And not, you don't feel it. It's not registering mm-hmm. when, especially when you're young and and passionate and energetic. But it's unsustainable. No one can do that. Yeah, over a long period of time.
4: If you do that, like, you know, I, man, I had to, I had to apologize to Chelsea so much, you know, um, and apologize to my girls so much, um, you know, like they're they're there with me, you know, when we're when we're having dinner with folks from the church, um, but they're not getting my undivided attention. And the crazy thing is, like, in the striving to be a good pastor what I was doing, like back to you talking about qualifications, like I was actually disqualifying myself mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> by like just trying to be a good pastor, but by trying to, in my mind, trying to be a good pastor meeting with these people all the time, neglecting my family. It's like, okay, well now you're disqualifying yourself because you're neglecting your family. <laughs> like, okay, well <laughs> got to change that. Hmm. Yes.
0: Mm. Um, is there a time that kind of sticks out to y'all in that time of ministry that like, like you were saying, like, realizing you had to be healthy. Like, was there a time that really struck you that, like, this was the moment. Like, this is year 11. I was like, shoot, I'm not doing good. <laughs> you know, is there a time that kind of sticks out to you guys that you're like, this is when I realize, okay, I need to be healthy? Or was it immediately from the get-go? I know I need to be healthy. I need to be doing all the things.
4: <laughs> you're, you're five for me. Mm. You're five. I hit the wall hard just crashed and burned really hard. Uh, I I stayed in bed for like three days. Like I I wasn't physically sick. I didn't have a fever or anything like that. Um, I was just so emotionally and spiritually drained. I had nothing to give. I wanted more than anything, anything, anything for the Lord to release me from the call and just to be done. I just, I wanted out. I was under so much pressure. And, um, you know, it's like, like Tim saying, like, man, this is not sustainable. Like something has to change. Um, and so that's when I started meeting with a biblical counselor. I still meet with a biblical counselor. Um, and, uh, like Tim was just talking about that accountability. Um, so he holds me accountable. Our elders hold me accountable. Um, and there's, there's just a list of things, um, that, that I wrote down that Chelsea and I agreed upon. Um, like this, this is the things that we are going to commit to. So things like diet, um, things like exercise, things like, um, a weekly Sabbath, um, specific nights that we have cordoned off that is just for our family um to where i'm gonna be home i'm not gonna be on my phone i'm not gonna take phone calls i'm just gonna spend time with my wife and and my girls um but and, and we also have nights cordoned off for the church like these are the specific nights we're gonna have people over and have people over for dinner or we're gonna go uh, but then these are here are these other nights that are just for the family um So, again, things like diet, exercise, meeting with a biblical counselor, um, having those like a full day of Sabbath, having a a clear schedule. um, Because man, if you don't in this job, if you don't set a schedule, if you don't like if you're not ruling your schedule, your schedule will rule you. There's always something to do. Like the work's never done. The Lord hasn't returned. (laughs) Right. The, The Lord's not returned. So there's there's always something you can do. And if you don't schedule it, it'll it'll. It will crush you. You have to be the head and not the tail. Yeah,
3: You must be, or it, you won't make it. You won't survive. Um, making not-to-do lists is a good idea. <laughs> I will not do this. I will not take phone calls past this time. Um, I, I don't have to go visit everyone. If it's an emergency, if something's really, really bad, I'll be there, or you can wait till tomorrow. I have a not-to-do list. Um, same th- Same kinds of things you do taking a sabbatical, um, taking regular Sabbaths, spending time with my family. Like those now have become important and important things are more important than the urgent things. (laughs) Um, so same kind of thing though. Like I've hit a wall three times. Uh, the first one was in 2015, our church tripled in size. We bought a new building. I'm all over the place and we had a guy in our congregation, who sinned against his wife who we we're meeting in my office. I'm drained. I am, I'm, I'm busted in all four mentally, physically, spiritually, emotionally. And he got all huffy about what he did and stormed, tried to storm out of my office. And I snapped and I grabbed him and I threw him onto the couch and it's like standing over him. And it hit me in the moment. I'm like, what am I doing? What am I doing? Now we laugh about that today. Uh God's been working in this man's life. But in that moment, I'm like, this is not, this is not who I should be ever. Um, so I've had two or three moments that weren't quite that bad. Uh that was probably the worst. Another one was um just lamenting to God, where I was just like, This is right after COVID. Uh 2020 was bad during COVID. 2021 was worse. It was way worse. Because yeah, we were still yeah. We're still fighting mask or no mask, vaccines, no vaccines, all this stuff. Uh, being accused, no matter where you stood, you're going to be accused and scrutinized. And from your friends and your brothers and sisters, people that you love, you've been doing life with, you've poured your life out for. And man, like, uh, there's a point where I just broke. I mean, just completely just broke before God. Um, but he was so kind. He's so gracious uh, to pull us out um of those messes but yeah it can get tough sometimes if you're not if you're not the head (laughs) you become the tail it can be bad
4: yeah i think both of us over the years like we've seen we've seen it consume guys you know um the only and, and let me just say this the only reason that i'm here the only reason that tim's here is by the grace of god We're not better than those men. Like that's that's the thing. Like the the dudes that are no longer in ministry that set out, I'm going to do this for life, and they're they're no longer here. um, That's what like that was a realization that I had to come to. Like I'm not better than them. I'm not stronger than them. Um, I'm not more mentally capable of handling the job. That's not it at all. As a matter of fact, there's a guy that I'm thinking about right now. Like way better preacher than me. Way smarter. Way more organized. Um, And his marriage fell apart. And he loved his wife, but that's what happened and he's no longer in ministry. Um, and so I think it's doing what you need to do as far as it depends on you, right? Doing what you need to do, um, being disciplined in walking through those healthy rhythms, but then also relying on the grace of God. Yeah.
3: One of the graces of God for us that we both recognized is um, close brotherhood with other pastors that are like-minded, um We are alike in our theology, um, and openness and transparency and vulnerability has probably kept me from quitting. Mm-hmm. From honest, I have it with some of my Acts twenty nine brothers, and I have it with our elders. If I did not have that, there is n- absolutely no way I'd even be in ministry, or I'd be in it, but I would either torn up a lot of stuff and hurt a lot of people, or I've closed my heart off to people mm-hmm. so that I could survive. Um, so I would I would say part of that grace of God is having other brothers in our lives um, to help hold one another accountable, encourage one another, call each other out,
5: mm-hmm.
3: uh, pray for each other, um, or whatever it takes. Yeah,
0: yeah. That's what I was literally just about to ask. Was like how important it is to have the support of other pastors, not only in those times but just in general.
3: I, I think that it's paramount.
4: Yeah. We were on a <laughs> – I'm going to tell this story. Oh, gosh. Which one? <laughs> <laughs> Nothing that will hurt us. Now the Colorado story. Uh, we were on a pastor's retreat, and um, we were sitting uh, out by a fire pit. It's just all pastors and their wives. So it was me and Chelsea were sitting there, and uh, Tim and his wife, Jay, were sitting there. And I was um, explaining my exit strategy. Like, when I get back from this pastor's retreat <laughs> – Here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna you know launch a business. I'm gonna hand the church off to somebody like I just I've got I can't do this anymore. Um, and Jay Bice <laughs> yelled at me for like thirty minutes <laughs> about how stupid I was and you are not a rock star pastor Kirk. You don't need it. and like dude, she went off on me for like thirty minutes. <laughs> and it was it was the best thing that ever happened to me. I was like, She's right. She's she goes right. off on me all the time. <laughs> <laughs> and she's always right. <laughs> yes. So like it, it is brotherhood. So we meet once a month. Um, the, the South Georgia guys, we meet once a month, every third Thursday, we all get together. Um, it is very informal. Somebody will lead uh, a quick devotional. Um, we, we'll, we sing together, usually a couple of hymns. Uh, and then we just go around the room. We do a check-in. How are you? Like what's really going on? Um, and it, we we always like we always have to stop and say, all right we have to eat lunch at some point guys like we gotta because uh, it takes so because guys are just like they're just talking and that there's always like, one
3: that limps in mm. one of always us, one always one of us limping in
4: yeah yeah there's there's usually a couple of guys that are like man God's been so good that, you know this is going on these people got saved this person got baptized we didn't believe that we were ever going to raise this amount of money to do this thing that we wanted to do for missions but we did God's so good and then there's always a guy that's like. I hate everyone. (laughs) I hate my Um, elders. When I get home, I'm quitting. Yeah. Yeah. I hate my elders. I hate my church. I hate my members. This thing is terrible. Um, So, yeah. So it's like, it's having, I think it's having that group of guys. um, But, you know, even like I was talking about Jay, like um, having the support for Chelsea as well, because Chelsea gets support from other pastors, wives as well. Mm -hmm. um, That, that, talk her off the cliff, you know, cause there's been a ton of times where Chelsea's like, yeah, you should quit. <laughs> 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 you know? And so it's like, she needs, she needs that support just as much as I do. Um, because if I'm, if I'm anything, if I'm, if I'm mildly helpful on the stage during a sermon, um, or if if I offer any type of good advice or support or spiritual help to anybody, um, it's because I have a solid base and foundation at home with Chelsea um, that I'm moving out from into the the world of ministry. Does that make sense? That like that is that is my my of course my source is, is Christ and and his gospel, um, but the greatest tool that. The Lord has given me to do any good in ministry um, is having an, an awesome wife, and she gets that support from the other pastors' wives as well. Um, and man, I I feel I feel terrible for anybody that has to do this alone. Me too. Any pastor, any wife that has to do this alone, it's just it's so it's already so isolating, um, and to not actually have a support system, I have no idea how anybody does me it Me either.
0: Mm. Well, I think it's great that y'all had that need so i don't you know i don't know how those meetings started but like having that need and saying hey this is something we need to do like that's very wise and a good thing and i think it's a great model for your members to look at that and say hey my pastor you know he has a he has a support group he has these people that are reaching out to him and being there like and then modeling that for us to do that because i feel like for our gcc it's like through community groups and dna's like that structure is there like that's something that is always preached at us is that you know have those people in your lives having that support like it is very monumental whether you're being a pastor or doing anything in life having people in your life is a good thing like we talked about in the podcast before like the enemy wants us to be isolated he wants us to get us alone and out of community and out of support and encouragement and stuff so um it's a, it's a beautiful thing that you know god orchestrated it, that we need each other you know to accomplish anything in this life and so Uh, So thank y'all for seeing that need and walking that out as leaders and letting us view that. I think it's a beautiful thing. So um, for anyone that, you know, is hearing this and all this stuff like that, like, you know, there's clear, obvious challenges of being a pastor and stuff. But is there anything that like it would almost surprise people that y'all struggle with or challenge that y'all have that y'all go through that congregations might have no idea about?
3: Yes. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, you go. I might cry. You can do that too. Let it out, man. <laughs> I think um deep pain uh that gets um you get hit with like wounds, I think. And I I, I um I want to be careful how I say this. This is a part of why I wanted you here. Uh, so a <laughs> support. I'm afraid I'm afraid at times um uh, church members do not see any of their elders or pastors as a actual person. I think they see them as a figure without emotions um without um you know having pain and and that's, but we're, I think we're people. We have friends. We're normal. There's nothing special about us. I think it's a high calling that we've been called to. Sure. And how people treat, um, that relationship, church member to pastor sometimes can be unbelievably painful. Um, and I, I, that's that's probably my biggest struggle, and it's probably what has uh, what I've been tempted most by um, to leave the ministry is just the uh the amount of pain um, that comes at time. now don't get me wrong there there are so many times of joy and celebration, good things, God things, uh, watching him show up and uh, save people. And work in their lives. I mean, that's why, that's what keeps me going. One of the many things that keep me going. But when you've poured your life into someone and they treat that um, as little value is very painful. Uh, But, you know, Mm -hmm. but what do you do as a pastor? Do you get up and tell everybody, hey, guess what? Mm
5: -hmm.
3: More wounds this week, everybody. Mm -hmm. You know no you you take the hit, and I think it's a i think that we're a i think it's one way one of the ways in which we can be more like Jesus is take those hits, absorb them uh for the good of his people um and the continuation of the gospel that's how i that's one of the ways I have to look at it i don't know i I want to be careful how I say that because I don't want it to turn into like this you know pity party kind of thing either you know what sure. I mean um and we can as pastors sometimes have too much pity on ourselves and get in the dumps and all of that. And so I don't want to, but you ask, yeah. <laughs> you ask and I'm going to be truthful um, and honest. And that's, that's it. Mm-hmm. Especially when you're close to people, when you're really, really close. And then it feels as if they've turned on you, betrayed you, left you, abandoned you. And it's your fault. That is the most painful thing And the crazy thing is in our position it happens frequently and so you're trying not to close your heart off to people and um that's hard
4: yeah i would i would say um especially in the south there is um an unwritten expectation for pastors so like it's almost you feel like i'm not saying this is true but as a pastor you feel like everybody in the congregation is coming in with a job description written for you that you don't know what's on that job description. (laughs) Mm. Um, so it's like people have expectations for you, which you didn't sign up for, you know, it's like, I didn't sign up to be at every kid's birthday party all the time, you know, like I didn't sign up for that. (laughs) So like, but (laughs) people are offended that the pastor didn't come to their kids, you know, softball game or whatever. It's like, I didn't know that was on my job description, you know? Um, (laughs) So there's there's a lot of expectation management, um, which which is difficult. Um, and I would say that you know what what Tim is saying is like, you, you can go one of two routes if you're going to stay in. Route one um, is to absorb the wounds um, like Christ, and um, when when people you know betray you, when people. St- you know, uh, question your leadership when you say mask or no mask, vaccines or no vaccine, you know, you make a a political statement about, you know, whatever, uh, about how the kingdom of God is actually more important than either political party. And then, you know, whatever Uh, (laughs) you you get criticized for that. Um, Harden your heart and just close yourself off to people and keep going um, or absorb the wounds. Those are those are really the two options. And I think that if you're going to be a good pastor, you can't harden your heart and close people off. Um, you, you have to care. And I think what people don't know or what people don't see um, is that you really are, if you're going to be a good pastor, you really do take on, um, not just when people criticize you or whatever, uh, but when when a parent in in the church calls you and says i found out my my son's been uh snorting Adderall or whatever like you f- if you don't f- care like if you don't feel that pain with that mother with that father you're not a good pastor right <laughs> you you have to care you know um but that happens all the time to us like people call us during the worst times of their life when somebody dies when there's drug addiction when there's abuse like they call us um and so to, to echo what Tim's saying, I don't, I'm not uh, – we signed up for this, right? We yes. were called to this. We signed up for was, this. Yeah. We see the lowest of lows um, in people's lives, but we also get to see the highest of highs. We get when, you know, we get to pray over the mom that, you know, just had the baby, you know, and they're excited about, you know, this new life. Um, we, we get there to, to pray over the guy that just got a promotion at his job. You know, we, we get there uh, to pray over the guy who is clean and sober for 60 days. You know, like we get we get to see the highest of highs. Uh, but we also experience the lowest of lows. And so I think that's why it's so critical back to the health thing. It's so critical that we are healthy because you got to, you have to be healthy in order to be able to ride that roller coaster, you know, way high. So awesome. You have just the best meeting with somebody. You're so fired up and excited. And then two minutes later, your phone rings and you are at the bottom with somebody again. Yes. And those, those lows, those bottoms are, are emotionally draining.
3: So I've had death threats before. Um, and those are easier to handle than the emotional pain of someone treating the relationship as less than mm-hmm. that, that, you know, on those lowest of lows. And, um, but at the end of the day, um, I think if you're called to it, God will sustain you. Keep your eyes on him, you know, keep, keep pressing forward and celebrate, you know? Uh, we started celebrating things. I guess it's about five years ago. I was terrible at celebrating anything, mm-hmm. you know. Um, that that that's very very helpful. I think families should do it, churches should do it, businesses should do it. But finding things to celebrate has been super helpful.
0: I was thinking too because I know we're talking about like the hardships of uh, being a pastor and stuff, and y'all. I think y'all kind of hit on it where celebrating or um, finding the, the sweet moments like when I think of, like, I think of, uh, like Paul in the Bible, you know, finding the joy in suffering, like, have y'all seen that a lot in, in being a pastor? Like, hopefully they, the joy outweighs the pain more, hopefully, but you know, grace of God. But, um, I don't know. How do y'all decipher those moments? Like, you know, just embracing those joy moments in the suffering. Is that, or is that something you even think about or is just like, here's the joy, here's the suffering, but like, are you able, even in just the chaos of being a pastor, to find the joy in the midst of the suffering, in the midst of all the hardships and the phone calls? Like, Is it easy to find joy in those moments?
3: I wouldn't say that it's easy, but I think it's doable, and uh, both of us have processes we (laughs) enter into. Mine's called Fight for Joy. His is called Road to Recovery, Mm -hmm. um, where we are seeking joy that Jesus died to give us. So, yeah. I think so. Uh, I would say it's easy, but uh, it's doable. Another another way to do it is even if we don't experience the joy we want to on this side, our eschatology tells us there's unending an joy, and that's what we're aiming for. So I think thinking about you know um, new heavens, new earth, uh, and our relationship with God through that is is also helpful.
4: And yeah, yeah. I think. Um, the the way that I try to find joy is reminding myself that in that moment of pain, whatever it is, wh- wherever where the source is, that um, in that moment the Lord is counting me worthy to bear that burden for for Him and for His church, um, and that that brings me some sense of joy and is very humbling when you think. I've just been stabbed in the back or wounded or lied about or criticized or whatever. Um, And you go, yeah, but this was for the cause of Christ. And the Lord is asking me to do, this is a a wound that he's asking me to bear and to carry um, because he is going to equip me and he is counting me worthy to, to bear this pain and this burden. And I go, man, the master, the master thinks I'm worthy. All right, let's go. I'll, I'll do it again another day. My
0: job, I like that a lot. Or I'll text him. <laughs> okay. Hey, man, pray for me. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, imagine in in your church in your congregation that you probably have people that are saying, "Hey, man, I feel I'm feeling this calling that I feel like I should calling up a pastor." Like, how do you encourage that person? And also, if they say, "Where where in the world do I even start?" Like, how do I? What do I do? Like, imagine that. Like, I said, it's probably come up a few times. So, how do you, how do y'all encourage people? And then, where do they even start?
3: Um, first of all, we want to see them faithful in their local congregation. And second thing is to take it slow. Third thing is, uh, is this a calling? We, the way we do it, um, I think you might do it similarly. Uh, calling is two parts. It's an inner conviction. I feel God calling me. I got, there's a tug toward this. And then there's an outer commendation. Like people are commending you. Like I see God's you know, hand on you, I think you know you're a good shepherd, you're a good teacher, whatever it might be. Um, and so you have to answer the call. The third, uh, fourth thing would be training. I didn't get training. Um, I just kind of stumbled through. I wish I had someone to to train me or a ministry to train me. Uh, and I think finding you know whether it's your your local congregation that you're a part of or a church. Or pastoral residency, church planting residency, whatever it might be, or other good routes um to go down, but uh, I think those are the first few things I would say, but you know, um, the way we do it at our church we're we're constantly looking we we try to try to build a pipeline. Um, we call ours a ten cohort where we invite guys in and um, and their wives uh spend ten months with them. And then the last thing we do the last month is we talk about calling. We try to help them figure out what, what's God calling them. To Are you to be a deacon? Are you to be an elder? Or maybe even a church planter? Like, what is your calling? And then after that, they'll have tracks they can go down to get the training they need. Uh, but we're, we're with them every, every step of the way. Well, what I found, though, a lot of times is, especially with young guys, they get impatient. And I understand it because I was one of them, and I did. I got impatient, so I get it. Um, and they just go off and do their own thing, and then most of the time, they're they crash and burn. Um, so if if a, if a man feels called, man, I, I, dude, please be patient, you know, uh, let some people help you, get some training, you know, get prepared because it's not easy. It is you know what it is a lot of fun to preach when you're a lay person. It's awesome. There's nothing better. but when you get into the grind of pastoring and leading and in preaching, it's uh it's not it's not the same thing. So just because you can preach good doesn't necessarily mean you're going to pastor well. <laughs> you know Uh, so learning those kinds of things, I think that's a few few little things that come to my mind right off the bat.
4: Yeah, I think, uh, like calling can be, uh, a little bit vague. Um, there's a great book by Dave Harvey called, am I called? Um, and, uh, basically what, what we've done in the past is I have like a list of about 10 things, um, evidences that you are called. Um, it's really nailing that, nailing that down. Um, you know, so we will go through that list with, with guys, um, to really kind of figure out is, is this a real calling, not just, a I think it'd be cool to be a pastor you know like we, we really want to um nail that down so that it's not uh, just kind of out there you know in the wind like yeah i'm called like okay but are you let's nail that down um so we go through that process of of helping guys discern discern that call um and i think anybody who's looking to start you know again your local church um start doing the work of the ministry. We're, we're, What's falling apart? What needs help? What ministries can you serve in? Um, how can you help your pastors? Uh, a part of like getting elders on your elder board is looking around and, and asking the question: Who's already eldering? Mm-hmm. Um, so like, as I'm looking at community group leaders, going, who's eldering? Like, who's doing the work without the title? Um, and if I see guys doing the work without the title, like the two guys that we have, you know, going through our candidacy process right now, they were doing the work. Um, you know, I'll, I'll name drop Phil, uh, Phil Danford. We left an insanely difficult meeting. Um, Church discipline. It it was rough. It was terrible meeting. Um, And we're sitting in the truck and we're done with that meeting. And I'm sitting there with Phil uh, and I was like, dude, you just did the work of a pastor. You just pastored in a really difficult situation. You need to go through the elder process. And that was, that was the genesis of it. Cause I, I just saw him doing the work. Like, come on, man, let's go. <laughs> so uh, that, that's how he got in the process. So I think, um, how do you get started? Just do the work of the ministry in your local church.
0: Yeah. And like, I think you just have on it when you're talking about elders, like how important it is to have elders. I'm not sure how many, um, Greenbrier has, but I know, like you said, we just have a couple that are just starting to go through that process and everything. Like, how important is it to have that, you know, it's important to have the support of the pastors around, but like then having that tight knit of men around you as elders, helping you within your church. And if um, and someone is say like, well, I'm not called to be a pastor, but I'm called to be an elder. I mean, it might be the same thing, sorry. Uh, but like, what is a biblical way uh, of raising them up?
3: That's a good question. And I think that it's important that we are friends and we have support. It's biblical to have a plurality of elders. Uh, almost every time you see elder or elders in the New Testament is plural. You know, Titus, uh, Paul says, Titus appoint elders in every city. James, is any among you sick called the elders? And so every time you see it, just about, I think with the exception of once, it's uh, in plurality. And so that's the first thing is to realize this is God's design uh, for a plurality of um, men who are called and um, meet the qualifications to elder. Uh, We sometimes we turn elder into a verb uh, to pastor um and 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 appoint them you know help them train them and so I, it's it's been one of the I, I say it this way because when we first planted our church I was like the senior pastor and we had like a board um it's called the advisory board and then later on I you know had two associate pastors but then in 2012 I realized um it was more biblical to have a plurality of elders who are, were equal. We have a first one among equals, which we, me as the lead pastor. But um, once we made that move, I, I tell people that's been one of the greatest gifts God has given to our church is to have a plurality of the elders. And in the same way that if I didn't have these guys, I don't know if I would have made it. I think um, the same way I, if we didn't have a plurality of the elders we have now, I I don't I would not have. I would have crumbled under the pressure. Uh, so it's pivotal and uh, and it's and it's biblical. <laughs>
4: um, and it's a gift. Yeah. It's a gift God to me personally, to one another and to our congregation. I understand why churches have a like a top-down CEO model. I, I understand, you know the yeah. the senior pastor, like one guy at the top, he can hire, he can fire, he can make all the decisions. I understand that. Um, when you like give your life to this thing, you pour out your guts, you give it everything you got. And then I'm supposed to hand off control to these other like elders? Like, heck no, man! This is my thing. I built this. You know, like, ugh, it's scary handing off that control. But when you do, it is so freeing. It is so freeing to say, this this isn't Pastor Kirk's church. This is not my church. This church belongs to the Lord. (laughs) It's this is Jesus's church, and He is at the top of the org chart. Under Jesus, then there's a group of guys, um, and and what happens is. Elders, there's a lot of things they do. Elders can protect the church from the pastor. Mm-hmm. So, like, so if I go on some crazy doctrine of heresy or like, you know, whatever, those men are they are there to protect the church from me. Like, I'm a liability, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and uh, they they also are surrounding surrounding me and protecting me from those expectations I talked about before that people love to put on you. Um, so it 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 goes it goes both ways. Um, yeah, I definitely wouldn't be here without David Patton. Um, I'm I'm watching Phil uh, Phil Danford and and Pete Walker. I'm watching those guys develop and some of the things that they're implementing and instituting is so freeing, is so life giving. Um, you know, we we have. Uh, our meeting uh, every Tuesday night. They come over to the house. Their wives come over. The kids come over, um, and we just we have our meeting. We fellowship. Um, our wives get together. I mean, without that support, I'm not here, man. I'm yeah. here. Our <laughs> elders, we're
3: friends. They're not yeah. my employees. Right. We're friends. Like we yeah. like to we hang out. We do together. this together. We're on mission together to lead Greenbrier Church and plant more churches. That's what we're to do, mm-hmm. and we we get to do it together. I get to do that with my my close some of my closest friends. Yeah,
0: that's awesome. And even just outside of elders trickling down, um, as we kind of come to a close, like what is a a thing that as a congregation, as a body, like, how can we be encouraging and supporting to y'all as pastors? Like, what is something like, of course we can pray for y'all and stuff, which is number one, you should always do that. But like, what is, I don't know, what is something that we can do as a body that is encouraging to y'all that can be helpful and supporting to y'all?
3: You go first. um I'm. I'm gonna read a scripture. I'm <laughs> looking it up. He's so spiritual.
4: He's getting he's getting on yeah. the word. Oh, I've got it now.
3: Go ahead. I'm gonna be like, you ask questions. I'm gonna answer them. Okay. <laughs> go you go in I Hebrews. It. Yeah. Yep. I, I knew uh, you were uh, going uh, Hebrews. Twelve. Yep. I'm just kidding. I
0: don't know.
3: <laughs> How many chapters in Hebrews? Um. Is it twelve?
0: Oh, nice. Is it fourteen? Twelve. 11.
3: (laughs) Well, we're going to Hebrews 13. Um, Verse 17. Verse 17, obey your leaders and submit to them, not to be subservient. That doesn't, like, pastors aren't masters. Um, But listen to this, for they are keeping watch over your souls. I was talking to a friend of mine yesterday. We had to make some decisions on some of our music in our worship ministry. And I knew that some people were going to be happy about it, and some people were going to be sad about it. And I mean, he's he's okay, but he wanted to voice which you know some things to me, which I'm glad he did. And we made a decision, not out of preference, um, but out of conviction. And from this, like, I'm a watcher, one of the watchers over the souls of our congregation. Like, I have to answer to that. And so when we make decisions as elders on things like what kind of songs should we sing and not sing, um, it comes from this. And I said, dude, I'm going to watch you over your soul. And if I'm going to err, I'm going to err on the side of hopefully um, this deep conviction of protecting our congregation, you know. And so that's a heavy weight for us. It says, as, as those who will give an account, now, this is the part you asked, and I'm going to answer it. <laughs> Let them do this with joy. Please, for the love of God, let us do this. Ooh,
0: that's a tall order. Never mind, never mind. Take the question back. Let,
3: let them do this with joy, you know, and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. Congregation, that's who he's speaking to there. And so I'd say, man, if we're out of line, yeah, come to us. Um... If we've made poor decisions, unwise decisions, absolutely. But man, like, if we've got a track record of praying, being biblical, having integrity and character, we've displayed love over and over and over and over, if that's our track record, please let us do it with joy. Mm-hmm. It's no advantage to you if um, if, if you don't. But if you do, like, it comes back to you like a boomerang of joy, right? Right. Um, the more joyful we are, the more energy our church has, the more you feel that you experience that.
4: So that's what I would say. You asked,
3: Hey, you, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> you, you you <laughs> asked. Uh, I'm,
4: yeah. Yeah. That's my answer. I don't, I don't have anything to add to that. Watch the congregation should watch their pastor's life. Um, watch his marriage, watch his parenting. Is he a man of integrity? Is he first Timothy three, right? Is it, it, do you see the biblical qualifications of an elder? Your pastor's never going to be perfect. um, But watch his life. And if he is a man of integrity, uh, like Tim's saying, who has faithfully preached the gospel, who has loved his people well. um, Who has repented Who has openly repented um, from the stage. Transparent. Dude, I I try to call myself out all the time on stage. (laughs) Yeah. Um, If if that's who your pastor is, follow his leadership. Follow his leadership. When he says, man, I think as a church this is what we need to do, go, heck yeah, how can I help? What do you want me to do? I'm ready. Um, because like, that's what Tim's saying. Like when you do that, then your pastor is fired up. He's like, man, my people love me and my people support me. I want to give more. And the pastor will just pour himself out more. You grow spiritually, um, and support him and he supports you. And that's the, that symbiotic relationship that's supposed to be taking place. Um, instead of grumbling and griping and complaining and well, you know, they didn't call me and I wish I would have gotten this and you didn't think about, you know, so on and so forth when, man. What we get to do is so amazing. We he, he doesn't need us to build the kingdom. Like he doesn't need me. He doesn't need Tim. He doesn't need you guys. But we're like called and invited into this thing that's gonna last forever. Like this is amazing. Out of out of like all the things that we said, oh, it's difficult to be a pastor. Here's all the painful things. Here's the awesome thing. Mm-hmm. We're building something that's gonna last forever yep. and it's gonna have a forever impact. Yep. So, man, let's do it with joy. We should be fired up about this. Yeah. yeah.
0: Absolutely. That's good. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it, we were talking about doing this podcast. It was not, we didn't plan it. So it was was definitely the Lord, but like this month is October and it's a pastor's appreciation month. And so like, we did not plan that. It was like, we just realized like, Oh, that's, that worked out great. Uh, but I just want to say personally, thank y'all from the bottom of my heart for just being open, being transparent, and uh, just speaking your truth and just being real and raw. And so, and for people to hear that and be encouraged by that, whether they're feeling the call to be a pastor or just they are in a church sitting under pastors. And so, um, I think y'all lead very, very well. And um, y'all are very wise in knowing the unhealthiness of things, seeing the hardships, seeing the good and the joy. Uh, so, I think through this conversation, I think y'all have exuded that of uh, the goodness of our God and just how to walk out being a pastor. And so thank y'all for accepting that call and just leading your congregations so beautifully. So um, it's a beautiful thing. So it gives um, me joy. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So like I said, as we come to a close, uh, thank you everyone who has listened. Uh, We hope that this is an encouragement to you and a tool, not the main tool, but a tool that you can use. Uh, If you have any questions, if you're feeling the call to be a pastor and you're not even part of these churches, and you're like, hey, I have a lot of questions, or I want to talk more about this, Uh, we have a wonderful email address. be (laughs) podcast at gmail.com. And we'd love to uh, be able to direct you, whether it's to Pastor Kirk, Pastor Tim, and um, just, you know, help you out in any way. If you have any other questions or prayer requests, anything, we'd love to talk with you guys. So uh, with that, we love you guys as always. Uh, Thank y'all for listening. Um, Our Pastor Kirk, you pray us out.
4: Love to. (laughs) Lord we love you uh, we love your church I uh, got what uh, an amazing an amazing opportunity uh, that we have. Uh, to serve your church, to build your church, uh, to be a part of this forever family and a forever kingdom, um, that what we're doing here really matters. We have meaning, hope, and purpose, uh, because you sent your son Jesus to die, uh, for sinners, uh, not just individual sinners, um, but for those sinners joined together in a local context called the church. Uh, what an amazing thing that we get to be a part of this, uh, and so Lord, I pray now for congregations, um, to be filled with joy, uh, and for their pastors also to be filled with joy as we do this great work. Uh, we ask and pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.
2: Thanks for listening. Please email us at be still and grow podcast at gmail.com with your questions, comments, ideas, and
1: prayer requests. For more content from Gospel Community Church, check out the Training Day podcast hosted by George Jones.
0: This is Catherine, Heather, and Nicole. Join us next time. We'll save you a seat. Till then, be still, still and grow. grow.